Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. We turn back for a few moments this morning to Daniel chapter 5, verse 10 to verse 22. And when we left this passage in our last study, the writing is on the wall. Belshazzar's wicked, evil orgy of drunkenness and blasphemy and idolatry has been brought to a grinding halt. And before the king and his thousand glittering celebrity guests, a virtual tombstone has been erected on the white wall behind the candlestick and it has an inscription etched into it, scratched into the stone, even as the monarch watched. Belshazzar has called the wise men, the privy council. He's brought them together as a matter of urgency to give their educated insight into this mysterious writing. But they failed the test. And at this point, we have two more people who appear on the scene. And we have two lessons to learn. The first lesson is a personal recommendation. And the second lesson is a prophetic rebuke. Let's look at verse 10 just for a few moments and go down through verse 10 and verse 12. Because now the queen by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting house. The queen appears. And the queen is probably an older woman, the queen mother. We don't need to go into why. She could be the, uh, the wife of Nebuchadnezzar, or she could be the wife of evil Merodach, uh, another son of Nebuchadnezzar, who reigned for a short time in Babylon. But if she had been Belshazzar's wife, she would certainly have been at the party. And she's not. Because now she comes into the banqueting house. The party must have been a raucous affair. There must have been a loudness about it. Uh, and there would have been drunken revelry. And she would have heard the noise. But suddenly that has stopped. And what she hears is the king's voice wailing. By reason of the words of the king and his lord. Remember the king is terrified at this point. So in she comes. She hears the panic. She hears the fear in their voices. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor thy countenance be changed. Because this queen knew that there was a solution to the dilemma. She remembered the days of Nebuchadnezzar. She remembered that there was a man, a man called Daniel, a man who was able to interpret dreams. She reminded Belshazzar of how the royal advisors of that day were so useless in helping Nebuchadnezzar in his distress. But this man was able to help. Now let's look at verse 10. O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. 
There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father made the master of magicians and astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers. The first thing we see about Daniel is that he has a reputation for being a clever man. He has light and understanding and wisdom. Great depth of insight. A man whose intelligence was so great that the queen reasoned that he could only have been divinely inspired, greater than any other scholar of his day. But not only that, in verse 12 you see that he was a caring man. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding and interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts, a man with an excellent character, an excellent spirit, a reputation, a man who was known for dissolving doubts. Imagine a man like that. A man who was clever enough to know what was happening. And a man who was able to draw alongside you and give you courage and comfort along the way. A man who could deal with your doubts and fears. It's a wonderful reference, isn't it? But the thing that I want you to notice here is the wording in verse 11 and 12. Because this queen was a pagan. This queen who greatly recommending this man of God. Remember, Daniel's the man who wouldn't bend under the king's rules. Daniel is the man who always took his stand for God, who spoke out in front of kings. Daniel is the man who's going to be thrown into the lion's den rather than stop praying. And yet, this pagan woman speaks highly of him. The point I'm trying to make here is that Daniel has a reputation in the eyes of unbelievers. First Timothy 3 and 7 tells us that an elder, for example, must be respected by unbelievers. He must have a good report of them which are without. But I think that instruction is not just for church leaders. I think that's for all of us. Every single Christian believer has to live with integrity so that even the pagans who inhabit this world, like this queen, will look at your life and mine and not be able to cast any form of doubt upon our morality or our life. So every Christian needs to be a person of integrity. First Peter 2 and verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Romans 12 and verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So the Queen has recommended that Belshazzar should call this man Daniel. And he does. Verse 13. 
Then was Daniel brought in before the king. So Daniel's in the palace and he's standing in the presence of the king and he's now almost 90 years of age and he's been an official governing in this kingdom from his youngest days. You would think he would have easy access to the king but he obviously hadn't been invited to the party or he'd said no but he permits himself to be brought in and he's standing in the presence of the king and look at how the king speaks to him and I think the king is trying to make him feel small. Listen to his words. Art thou that Daniel which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jury. You're really just a slave, aren't you, Daniel? You're one of the children of captivity of Judah. You're one of these people who's here and you're only in this office because of the largesse of the king. I come on, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me why these letters are on the wall. Here comes Daniel. Look what he says. Despite the fact that he's been offered all of this money. In verse 17, Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself. Give thy rewards to another. Don't want your money. Don't want your purple robes. Don't want your position. Don't want your titles. In that reference that was given by the Queen, Daniel is known for his empathy, for his good-heartedness. But sometimes what we really need is to open our mouths and speak the truth, none daring to make us afraid. It's a time to be blunt. And right here, Daniel's blunt. He must speak the truth in love, but speak the truth he must. Daniel had a good reputation with all, but that didn't prevent him from speaking up and saying what is true. He spoke plainly. He spoke without the groveling introduction. When the queen came in, she said, Oh, king, live forever. Daniel doesn't do that. He simply says, keep your money. I will not be beholden, and truth cannot be bought. Daniel knows that whatever rewards this king offers, even though they may sound attractive, they will be swept away. So he begins, and he reminds the king of the history of of Nebuchadnezzar. He advises Belshazzar to read up on the experiences of his late father. And he points to the only God who can save till he knew that the Most High God reigned in the kingdom of men and appointeth over it whomsoever he will. And there's the crux of the matter. That very last verse that we read, verse 22, says, And thy his son, O Belshazzar, Thy hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. What did Belshazzar know? He knew that it was God who established his rulers on their thrones. 
He knew that it was God who strengthens our hands against the enemies. He knew that his father Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful man, but he knew that when pride filled his heart, God had humbled him and everything was taken away from him, even his human dignity, until he was living as a wild beast out in the fields, eating grass with the cattle, so deranged that he didn't even know to come in out of the rain. He knew all of that. And yet Belshazzar has not humbled his heart. That's the pivotal verse in this chapter. For in our next lesson we'll find that like every unrepentant sinner, Belshazzar is already under the condemnation of the weight of the law. So that's as far as we're going today. What have we learned? Firstly, that as Christian believers we're to live lives of integrity and honesty so that those who are outside the kingdom of God will have no excuse to point the finger at us or find fault in our lives or ruin our testimony of saving grace. And the second thing that we've learned is that while we do strive to be respected by others and to live blameless lives in the eyes of others, we must not allow any desire for respect and approval to distract us when we need to plainly speak the truth, especially when that comes to salvation and the saving of souls. And that truth, when we speak it, should be spoken with love and not merely to win an argument. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, Please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.